This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. The only thing that you can do is just move them, move yourself. Um, Moving is really the only way that managing pain is possible. I'm curious, how many of you are currently in pain? Maybe you have a knee problem, a low back ache. Maybe you've got a headache. How many of you right now are feeling pain? And then take that a step further. How often do you feel pain? Is it chronic? Is it acute? Constant? Does it come and go? Or are you one of the few who don't experience a lot of pain? Well, today on our show, I interviewed Jacqueline Gicko. Jacqueline is the best-selling author of a new book entitled Living Pain-Free. As you listen to our conversation, you will find that her creative mind is inspiring on one level and her life story is motivating on a completely different level. I'm not going to get too much into it here. I want you to listen to her as she talks about her life and her journey, where she has learned to live pain-free. And she offers several ideas for you on how you can do the same thing. So go ahead and sit back and listen in as Jacqueline Gitko shares her story. Hello, Jacqueline. Welcome to It Just Takes One. It's great to see you. Nice to see you. I have been looking forward to doing this interview with you because you and I have been on a journey over the past year, and I actually had an experience with you that I don't get with all of my authors, and that was the ability to meet with you regularly through the year so that not only did I go with you on the journey of writing the book, but I really got to know you, and and I've appreciated that opportunity. So I'm going to start by just saying thank you. Thank you for going on the journey with me, but also for the friendship that we've developed over this past year. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because what I'm doing with you now is, is really just finishing up, but this, that was uh, the the beginning of the COVID and, and beginning of writing a book that had, uh, uh, that was personal as opposed to just how to, which is what my background is. Um, It was very challenging, Uh, you know, first, First, the whole chaos of the time, and then, and then feeling a little exposed writing about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the vulnerability of writing about yourself, and I'm excited to share your story and to really share the book. But let me start by just letting the listeners hear a little bit more about you. And I'm just going to go to your bio and give them just a little sense of who you are and some of the accomplishments that you have had and some of the things that you're doing in your life, just so they get a little background on you. You are a movement coach, a rehab specialist, a health and wellness coach, and you also own the business Audacious Living NYC, which we'll talk a little bit about, Uh, but it's uh, specializing in pain relief through better movement, and you're really a holistic practitioner. Looking at managing pain from a variety of different methods and 
opening the possibility for people to transform, which again, we'll talk about today. You're certified as a fitness professional through, the, through NASM, the National Association of Sports Medicine, National Board Health and Wellness Coach certified. Uh, you also have specializations in, from, um, in certifications with the Functional Aging Institute, the Arthritis Foundation as a program leader, Exercise ETC as a remedial exercise consultant, uh, the Aquatic Exercise Association as an aquatic fitness instructor, an aquatic therapy rehab institute as a certified rehab specialist, and you have training from well coaches as a health and wellness coach, and the American Council on Exercise as a group fitness instructor. So you pretty much don't have anything going on in your life. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm your typical over, over-educated person. <laughs> woman. <laughs> and an unabashed techie and, and DIY geek. And you love cats and bicycling and bright colors. And you're an artist and a designer and a lots of other things that you can put on your plate as well. Yeah. Well, um, it used to be a little hard to figure out um, why I was doing what I was doing. I, I spent years as a potter um, and I don't know why uh, I, I couldn't figure out what what my purpose was. And I finally, at one point, I, I um, decided that what drove me was creativity. And creativity basically is, is not about drawing or design or painting or any of that. It's about a, a how, how I think. Um, and and what, what it entails is a lot of curiosity about everything. Um, and I, you know, and so I have, although it, it may look like I've, I've um, jumped from stem to stern in, in what I do over my life, the fact is they, that it all ties together through, uh, through being curious and, and being creative. Um, and it, it, sometimes it gets people going because I'm constantly asking questions and they think that I'm questioning them and what I'm doing is just, is just pursuing a thought. Mm -hmm. the, the curiosity is so important and uh, it does lead us on different paths. And certainly it's led you on a lot of different paths. Let's talk a little bit about some of that because you didn't start in fitness. You found your way to this arena, but that's not how you started. Share a little bit about how you found your way to the fitness field and, and, and began your journey of getting healthy. Uh, well, I actually, over the years, I did, I did, um, uh, what's the word, um, find, you know, kind of look into fitness now and then. Um, I got, I got very involved with jazzercise. I looked into becoming a jazzercise instructor. Um, at early, early on, I looked at uh, personal training as a career. Um, and at the, at the time, both of those took way more effort. Um, because it was a, it was a new field. They were new fields, um, and people didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with a gym. I didn't, I, you know, people didn't join gyms uh, when I was when I was young. Uh, there weren't gyms, or maybe there were, but they were usually uh, places where sweaty guys went. You know? <laughs> um, anyway, but you know, so finally they did start coming up, and I would, you know, I would join. I would leave. I would join. I would, I tried all different um, exercise programs. I was always, I've been always active. So always looking for something to do. So I started uh, riding a bike and, and leading bike trips right after college. Uh, 
um, I, I later on, I started running and I was doing that a lot um, uh, and built up my, my time uh, and my distance. And then, I, you know, and then I got involved with the jazzercise and I really liked dance um, and then back and forth and, you know, trying to get into, trying to get uh, um, fit in a, in a gym. And I did what most people did. I joined for three months. You know, and, you know, and then I left and then I joined another gym for three months and I left. And then um, at one point and then I but I was mostly I was a designer. I was an artist. I was a jeweler. Uh, and I, I spent about 30 years in uh, the industrial design field um, and um, doing graphic design and product design. Uh, and then I got to the point where I felt like I really didn't want to design yet another product that we didn't we have enough chairs and lamps and day runners and so i you know and i went to the 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 international um gift show one year and i walked out and i go i can't do this anymore um and so i i stopped doing that um and i uh, and then uh, my mom uh my mom got older and she kind of succumbed to not taking care of herself. Um, she had always, uh, she had been important to me just in being uh, fit, uh, mostly because that's how she lived. She, she, never, she never was overweight and she always had very good posture and she kind of taught me to stand up straight. And, uh, and you know, I always think about this. One of the things she said, and I can't remember when or why or anything, but she says, you know, you stand as if you're hanging from a hanger, mm. you know, and, and it was, you know, I don't know why, but that made a big impact on me because it, it wasn't somebody saying, you know, put your shoulders back or, or, you know, um, you know, tuck your tummy or anything. Just that is so visual to me. Stand as if you're hanging on a hanger just was so, it was, it was so meaningful. And that's how I really had lived um, most of my life feeling like I had good posture, um, mm -hmm. which later on, which as you know, we'll talk about, um, mm -hmm. was not necessarily so true. Um, uh, but so I got to be, so, so I went through a whole process with my mom and she, and she died uh, in her, she was 93. Um, and she, she experienced dementia. She stopped, uh, what she did was she stopped, she stopped. She stopped reading, she stopped watching TV, she stopped talking on the phone, she stopped eating eventually. Um, mm. And um, she wasn't able then to talk on the phone or, or to eat or to, or to um, uh, uh, watch TV. She couldn't even turn on the TV, she forgot how. She, uh, she just let herself. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that really affected me when she died I felt like she gave up. I felt, I felt that she didn't have to do that. She had nothing wrong with her. I mean, she, she was basically healthy. Um, I mean, she fell a couple of times This old, you know, is a possibility, but, mm -hmm. but her, you know, her faculties were, had been there and she didn't have any, she wasn't really on any medication. She just gave up. And, um, and I felt like I, I didn't want to do that. I had to, you know, I don't know how that happened. 
but I thought it was a lot of it was in her control and she didn't take control. Mm -hmm. So I decided I really had to take control. Um, so I, at that point I was unemployed. Uh, at 50, I got, uh, I got laid off from a, a job and it was really, uh, kind of disturbing. And I went through a depression and I, um, ended up being, um, disabled, they said, <laughs> uh, and I, um, you know, and so I was doing a little of this and that because I couldn't find a job. I was doing some freelance work. I picked myself up and became a ESL inst uh, instructor. I did that freelance. I, I started a jewelry business. I just kept looking for stuff to do. And when my mom died, I had gained some weight because of whatever it is that makes us do that. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, and having made this decision, I wasn't going to go down the same path as her. Um, I joined a gym again, <laughs> you know, and I joined an app, my fitness pal. And I, cause I was yo-yoing my whole life. And I said, okay, that's it. You know, I'm just going to stop doing that. And I joined a gym that was a half a block away. And I, and I, you know, spent the year, took me, took me a year to lose about 30 pounds and it took me a year to get in shape. And I started with a personal trainer. And after about six months working with this trainer, I, I left her and I sat in the gym and I said, I don't like working by myself. And I looked around the gym and there was a class. And so I went and took the class and really liked the group. It was fun. So I started taking, I started taking all these classes. Um, and then I just, um, one night I was in a Zumba class, which I had loved because again, it was dance, you know, as I was liking the music and everything. And it struck me, I taught college in the past. Um, I had, you know, I had been in a lot of groups and it struck me, I thought I could teach this. <laughs> And so I, you know, I asked the instructor about the training and I signed up for it. Um, I didn't have a mentor. Some, some people, you know, go into these things and, and somebody kind of brings them along. Nobody did that. I just had this idea. Uh, so I took the training and then I thought I was reading the instructor and they said, suggested getting certified. This was a license. They suggested getting certified with the group. So I, I did that. And then the in the manual, it said something about the burgeoning over 50 crowd, baby boomers and that kind of thing. Me, that's me. You know, I said, oh, I could be somebody that works with people like me. And so that, you know, I thought, so then I did uh, Zumba Gold, which is for beginners and, and also kind of focused on older uh, people. Mm -hmm. um, and then I signed up for <clears throat> Aqua Zumba. And I did the aqua zumba training and I was mesmerized by water. And I just, I loved it. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much of a fish I was. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I started to focus on that and I, and I not only got certified with the group, but I got certified in aquatics and I got, I just, you know, and then some, I met in, um, in a Zumba class, I met a personal trainer and I, and she's talked about how 
interesting that was. So I, I got certified as a personal trainer and, um, you know, and I wasn't quite sure where I was going with all of this, but I started to work with a couple of friends and then I, you know, had a couple of interviews at companies and I'm not a good employee. So I decided to go, you know, continue what I had done most of my life, which is to work for myself. And so I was working, you know, started working with people in their homes. I did start teaching aquatics um, and I really liked it. I had one class for two years teaching aqua zumba. That was just so much fun. I walked in the first class. They said, turn the music up. <laughs> you know, I, you're in the right place. I said, I'm in the right place. You know, um, And so, you know, that was, that was great. And then, um, uh, the IRS got in touch with me. They said, you're retired. You're no longer, you're no longer disabled. <laughs> well, they didn't say that. I mean, they, I'm still, but you know, but I was, re, you know, they said, oh, you're retired. I said, oh, you know, so it, nothing changed except that it was six months later. And I, you know, I was at this gym and I said, I cannot spend the rest of my life going to the gym. Um, and so having, you know, gone through this training, I started to, you know, to say, okay, I'm, I'm playing, I'm going to do this as a second career, or maybe it was a third or fourth or fifth <laughs> with, with what I had done. But I felt like I had found something. I had found something that, you know, that, that first of all, I, I had already been involved in, even though I had done design most of my life professionally, it was kind of an avocation. And it felt like, I felt like I was good at it you know, and, and I felt like, you know, and I had no problem with any of the tests that I took because I already knew the stuff from absorbing it. And, um, you know, so what I, what I had to learn was pretty minimal actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, oh, then I spent years trying to do, trying to fit myself into a square peg in New York, uh, being a, an aquatic specialist, which I still love but it got to be a year or so before the pandemic. I thought this is not working. I'm beating my head against a wall. I'm going to have to go in another direction. And I wasn't quite sure at that point I was in therapy. I was in PT, mm -hmm. uh, which led to this book and because of a lot of different stuff. Um, and my, and my physical therapist was saying, why don't you write about your story of, what you've been doing here for the last three years. So that's perfect, perfect segue, actually. And I, I want to peel that apart a little bit more. Yeah. A couple of things that I have learned about you in the year and that you just brought up in, in that description of, of some of the threads of your life are, are some really important messages that I think you share in your book and that I think really exemplify the life that you live. And one of those is never give up. Never give up. Two, it, it's never too late. You can, you can keep going. You can try new things. You can, you can do things you didn't think you could do at any age. And three, you mentioned earlier, stay curious. Keep searching for things that pique your curiosity and you never know. You never know what might come out of it, like a book, for example, or careers or who knows what. And 
and and you exemplify that in so many ways and you you talk about it in the book. So let's let's share a little bit more about the book. The book is called Living Pain-Free: A Journey to Moving Better. You just described a little bit of what inspired you to even write the book, although it is not your first book. So talk a little bit more about why you wrote this book and, and share about your past books as well so people can can know what to look for when they when they start searching for you. Well, yeah, I have a I actually have a friend that used to say, you have you keep reinventing yourself. Mm. You know? Which, which is really true. I think um, I, I, uh, um, I've, I've never, I've never felt like uh, a failure. I never, I've been poor. I've been comfortable. I've been, uh, I've been depressed, <laughs> and I've been not depressed. Um, you know, and I've been a little. I've been overweight, and I haven't been overweight. And um, I just. Uh, um, I just feel like everything's been fluid uh, through throughout, um, and it never. I don't know why this happened. Uh, it wasn't that I had an awful lot of encouragement as a kid or anything like that, but I had something that stuck with me uh, from my very beginning of um, of being who I was. My my mom used to say you know, every single picture of me as a kid is blurry. <laughs> they point a camera at me and I'd go, hello. And I would throw my hands up and I would, I would assume a pose. And so whatever they took, because however the cameras were then were not fast enough to, to get me in, in between movement. Um, and, uh, you know, for some, and my, that sort of embarrassed my mom that I was so exuberant. Um, so I have, uh, um, it, it seems to me that every time I hit a dead end in something, I, it, it's not so much a dead end as a corner. Mm. And, you know, and so I, I change, I change the, you know, the pitch or the direction or whatever a little bit, um, you know, and, and I looked at and just about everything I've done. Like I said, I you know I did jazzercise. I thought about teaching it. I I um I had been um I worked for a gallery during the time when I I couldn't find a regular job, and so I was a clerk in a gallery. And I thought I can make this jewelry. <laughs> I did. I start you know, and I set up an Etsy shop. Um, and you know, so so the you know the pitch to to go from being um, a gym member to somebody in the profession wasn't that big of a switch. Um, when I wrote, when I, when I was a jeweler, I wrote a book on, uh, uh, the material that I used. I, I was using, um, I was using polymer clay, which was an interesting bakeable, flexible medium. And, but I was writing it from the perspective, everybody's writing it about jewelry. My background was in pottery. So I wrote the book about functional and objects, which was a whole different kind of book. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it was, um, it sold quite well, actually. It's one of the first books out about that. Um, when I was teaching design at Trenton State College, um, I was trying to get tenure. So I thought, well, if I write a book, they'll give me tenure. Uh, unfortunately, the book didn't get published before I didn't get tenure, but <laughs> it did come out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Um, and uh, so that was my first book was on illustration. Um, both of those were uh, for commercial publishers. Um, and that was, you know, that was interesting. And I really didn't enjoy it. Uh, you know, I must have made like, I must have made like a dollar and a quarter an hour, basically, because of the, what they gave you as a, as a um, um, royalty. Um, but when I, so when I started my fitness business, I thought, having written two books, if I wrote a book about what I do, it would give me some uh, credibility. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a book aimed at the 50 and older market called Daring Dames, <laughs> a five-step guide to wellness. Um, and it took me, I did it with on, a, on, a, on Facebook. I did it with a, a challenge somebody set up to write a book in, in a week. So, and I wrote that book in a week. <laughs> <laughs> And it took me a month to get it published. And then I rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. <laughs> I just rewrote it again six years later. So, um, and then a friend of mine's brother said, how come you don't have one for men? I said, mm, there really isn't any difference, but okay. So I, I came out with one, there's two things. There's a couple of differences between men and women. I came out with uh, Dashing Dudes, a five-step guide to wellness. <laughs> they're still on Amazon and, and they're kind of my philosophy in general terms and mostly a, a how-to kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was trying to, I was trying to meditate and I tried those apps and stuff like that. But the problem is I can draw. So coloring was not attractive to me but a book on coloring because everybody else likes to do it. <laughs> that was great. So I looked on Amazon. There's no books about fitness. Nobody, you know, there's like a couple in there and they're really dinky. So I took all of my stuff from my clients that I had provided them drawings of what they were supposed to be doing and in between our sessions. And I, and I came up with 30 body weight illustrations and with backgrounds to color. Um, color Yourself Fit, a guide to um, thinking about fitness, mindfulness anyway. Um, and, and, uh, and that's, that was, that was really fun. So I did another one. I did one on yoga patterns and I asked a friend of mine who's a yoga instructor to write the introduction. So that one has 30 examples. So there's tons of I mean, there's tons of yoga coloring books, but um, that was fun. Um, and you know, uh, so so I, I so I liked writing those two books, especially that first one that took me a week. <laughs> it's like I was like, if I can write a book in a week, then it's fun. You know, if it's going to take me a a year of agonizing over it, that you know that I wasn't going to do. Um, so when my therapist suggested. It, it, I thought about it early on and I didn't do anything because I was still involved in whatever I was doing. Um, but then I was coming towards the end and I, he said, so when are you gonna write your book? And I, that's when I, you know, so then I was talking with a friend who you uh, interact with. Um, I had been also at a, uh, a fitness conference where Greg um, spoke. Mm -hmm. Um, so I knew about Scripter and I thought I can write a book 
uh, you know, how-to book, but I don't know anything and, and I'm embarrassed and I don't want to talk about myself, um, you know, so I think I need some help. And so um, that's, you know, between talking with my friend about, uh, her, she uses, you as a consultant, she really liked you. And I liked what, what Greg had said at the, at the workshop. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, I had said then, I said, I, I'm, I'm not a beginner writer. What I can't do is I can't market. I'm not good at it. And so he, you know, so, so I, you know, finally I said, all right, let me bite the bullet and see what it's like to work. And I have worked with, um, I have worked with coaches before. So it, that was not a big stretch to, you know, to move it into, again, to move it around a corner into a new area. Yeah. Yeah. Just a whole new thing. And then it ended up being that year long process, <laughs> but it wasn't agonizing. It was, yeah. it was a good year. It was a, it was a purposeful year. I want to share just a little bit. This is right at the beginning of the book uh, to give the listener a, a really clear vision of what they will find in this current book. And it says, living pain-free, a journey to moving better is my story. Living pain-free is my journey. By sharing my story of determination, I want to stir you to imagine what is possible. Most of us experience pain at some time. Sometimes we experience unending pain and there is no one size fits all approach to healing our bodies, aches and pains. When we are in pain, all we can think about is relief. My goal is to stir your imagination by being an example of quote unquote, someone like me. Recognizing ourselves in someone else opens the possibility for transformation and is the key to change. Through audacious living, we can ignore what might be others' perceptions of us. We become inspired when someone like me shows us new possibilities. I'm pretty good. You wrote that. Good. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny to hear it from somebody else, you know, because if I read it, I'm very critical about it. Uh, you know, ha, ah, why did it say it that way? You know, that kind of thing. But, it, you know, coming out, it's, uh, um, I've had this experience, a couple of people that, I, a couple of friends have read the book and have called it inspiring, which doesn't sit well with me. Didn't, didn't sit well at the beginning. I'm uncomfortable being an inspiring person. Um, um, and, you know, uh, and I have a therapist actually a long time therapist who has, who has over and over again, told me to, um, not expect other people to do what I do. Um, you know, which is, uh, which is an interesting concept to, you know, I mean, to, to, you know, to look at people and separate them, them from me which is why I, you know, I was so careful to say, this is my journey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody's going to have their own and it's going to take them however long uh, it takes to get to the point where they, where they decide um, doing something is, is, is of primary importance to them. And I, you know, and I, I, I think that that what you read it's, that's the best I can say about how, you know, how I feel about things. I think we make 
we make time, we make it a priority to do whatever is really important to us. And if we don't do something, there's no sense in beating up ourselves about it because we're either not gonna do it, it's not that important, even if we think it should be that important. And, you know, and, um, you know, and, and there's, there's, that's, you know, that's kind of the bottom line. You do whatever you think will be the thing that you should do. Mm-hmm. And you don't do it if it's not, um, which really puts everything squarely back on, on yourself, you know. Um, and it, for me, what it does is it relieves me of a lot of um, pressure. Because if I'm not willing to do something, and I usually ask my clients this, what are the advantages of not doing it? Because there's gotta be something that I'm getting out of not doing something that I know I, I, that I think I should be doing. And, um, and so uh, that, um, if I'm getting something out of it, then I'm getting something out of it. Right. <laughs> And what's motivating you to change or what's and if I'm not, you know, if, if it's no longer doing that, you know, th- then, you know, then I, I, you know, then I have to think about what it is that I do want to do. Um, and uh, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate in a way because I, uh, you know, because I'm pretty honest with myself and I just, you know, I just do what has to be done if that's where I want to go. So like right now I'm working on, I have a torn meniscus. Mm-hmm. The therapist said, don't run. I said, okay, I can stop for a while. Don't bike. I said, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So whatever I do, I know that if, if that's going to impact the, the, you know, my knee, then, you know, I'm going to have to, come to terms with how that's going to, you know, how I'm going to be able to do what I'm doing. And I, and, and that's what I'm doing. I found fortunately that the exercises have been able to, you know, to get me back into being able to ride. I'm not running yet. The, the, the therapist has now said I could do some plyometrics, hard ground underneath me so that I'm not, I'm not flexing my knee wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we all, you know, so I have things that I'm not going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to stop riding. You know, running is less important to me. Yeah, I could take a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so important. And and a lot of what you talk about in the book really goes to that mindset, that idea that if there is a bigger goal out there that you're reaching for, there are things you can do follow the direction, so to speak, to get you to it. And, and you do that and you've done that. But I'm thinking a lot of listeners that are out there need to hear a little more of this. So I want to go a little further into it. I'm going to guess there's listeners out there that are in pain right now. Maybe they've got low back pain. Maybe they've got knee pain. Uh, Maybe they have a shoulder issue, a neck issue, something going on. And because they don't have the mindset of maybe there's a bigger goal, it be in something that's a bigger priority that's worth reaching for, maybe they feel like there's nothing they can do for that pain. And so they just accept it. 
and they just let it be. Share a little bit about your philosophy on that and maybe even some examples of what you've done in the opposite direction of that that has allowed you to you know, be standing here today saying, I'm still biking and I'll be running again at some point. Yeah, so people have a tendency I have found through listening to them to, to say, I've had a shoulder issue for ages. I, I can't do this. Um, my back hurts, you know, and uh, it's hurt forever. And, uh, you know, and uh, I, you know, try something or, or they will, some people will say, oh, I tried PT and it doesn't work. <laughs> which is a big thing for me because I believe in PT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe in PT because I do the work. That's really what happens. Um, so I think that the what's the bigger goal? I got to this point because I had a pinched nerve. I had a pinched nerve from... I. I didn't know I had a pinched nerve. I was doing, I know, I was doing stuff, but suddenly I couldn't do stuff. I couldn't reach behind my back. I couldn't reach up to, you know, to the kitchen cabinet. I couldn't, um, when I took a, when I took a shower, I couldn't wash my back anymore. Um, and then I started having problems gripping on a, you know, gripping um, my, my bike uh, uh, handlebars. And, and, um, and then I, you know, um, I, I would have trouble getting out of bed, you know, I mean, you know, it, it, and, and I would have trouble turning my head. I couldn't turn my head, everything. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. Finally, I did a little research cause I'm a curious person and I found out I had a pinched nerve, you know, but at that point I was registered for a bike trip to go to ride across to Iowa, you know, and I had paid like $500. I think I was spending like $3,000 on this trip. And I, you know, I had already spent probably 2000 of it. Um, and I, and I just wasn't willing not to go. So I went and it was, I had a great time, but I was in pain <laughs> the whole time. I managed to get through 40, 60 miles a day. And at night I found a, a massage therapist on our in our campsite and I I had her work on me and she located exactly where the pain was and that gave me a little bit of sleep for the night and and uh um you know so I knew I mean I so by that time I kind of knew what it was I didn't know how bad it was but I knew I what I had and when I went home after this fantastically excruciating trip. <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I called my doctor and, uh, you know, I went in, I talked to her. She, and I, she agreed that it probably was a pinched nerve. She sent me to this doctor who's a physiatrist, who's a doctor that, because I'm not a big medical person, um, is a doctor that deals with people that have physical issues and they, she, they work with the whole person. Um, and they work towards getting you back to being able to be uh, functional again. Um, and they do it from a movement uh, perspective and, um, and a holistic perspective. And she 
said, yeah, you have a pinched nerve. <laughs> no. um, anyway, so she, she said, let's, you know, she, she suggested PT and she, um, she said that if you don't know somebody, we have two um, physical therapists in the office that you can work with. And so I chose the one that had a, um, an opening who turned out to be the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. <laughs> um, for the first time, he, I was working with a PT who, who worked specifically with you. Most clinics, they put you into a clinic, you know, into a big studio, start you off with some exercises, and then they're working with three or four people at a time. And they, you know, so you're doing your exercises, they come and check on you, you're doing okay, which is okay for most things, but I was really in bad shape. And he met with me, did his assessment, and he said, that's the last straw. Your body is telling you, don't. <laughs> it's just saying, stop, stop. It's the last thing that it's going to do to tell you not to do what you've been doing. So whatever I had been doing, as active as I was, as, as much as I thought I was doing things correctly, over the years, any injuries I'd had um, had all kind of ganged up on me to finally get me to a point where I was just not going to keep going that way. Um, I couldn't reach behind my back. I couldn't, um, I, I couldn't sleep because I could only, I could only turn my head in one direction. I, I just, there was nothing I could do. Um, my shoulder was killing me. My hand was numb. Um, all the way down my arm was tingling. And um, so, so that started me on this whole journey of, you know, of, of doing stuff, but I didn't get there until I was ready to get there. And I added some damage to myself before I got there um, because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to do what I wasn't paying attention to that I knew I had to do, that I, that I just didn't want to look at until I was, got to that point. And um, that's, that's where it started. I, I think it's a really important message that you learned in that moment, maybe, but that we can share now with the listeners is that whole idea of what really, what pain is, the idea that pain is really a warning sign. You actually write in your book, pain is a warning sign. Long before pain becomes chronic, it can alert us to poor alignment and overuse. We pay attention to other warning signs in our life. We're alert to computer viruses and the cars check oil light. But when it comes to our body, we treat pain as an inconvenience. We cover it up so we can keep moving. We ignore the limitations imposed by pain. And you go on. But what you're saying is as soon as we start ignoring it, then it cr can create a landslide of all these other issues. And you did experience that. Um, you had multiple injuries. And you kind of talk about them in the book. Um, share a little bit about some of your journey through, through the pain of your life. Yeah, well, uh, it's, um, 
I mean, we're all human. So, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like I walked around going, Ooh, you know, I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble. I'm going to fix it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I would, I, I had, uh, I had, I went ice skating. I broke my, and I, I used, um, I rented skates. The skates were dull. Uh, and you know, and I'm not a great skater. You know, so uh, first thing that happened is I lost my balance. I went down um, on my face and luckily stopped myself, but I broke my collarbone. So, you know, I had to, I had some sort of surgery to fix that. Um, and I had some PT. Um, I was walking home from uh, an errand one day and I, who, who looks at the ground, right? You know, I was looking where I was going and I tripped over a piece of cement that was raised in front of this building. And I, and I put my hand out to stop myself from hitting my face and I broke my wrist. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, it wasn't like I was doing anything. You know, I was walking. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so yeah, I've had, so some of my things that have happened to me have been because I, was doing something um, maybe a little foolish or something that was maybe a little dangerous and I wasn't paying quite as much attention. But then, you know, all I was doing was walking down the street. (laughs) You know, know, it wasn't like anything else was going on and it wasn't my fault that the, you know, the pavement was was, uh, incorrect. Um, and, um, And then I've had situations where uh, there have been problems with the diagnosis. I had a, a bike accident where um, I, I had a, a broken bone in, in my groin that the x-ray didn't show. Um, and the, the doctor didn't look any farther because it was a little obscured. It just, he just noted that it, the, uh, the x-ray was obscured. So I had that pain for a longer time than I should have, and it ended up healing by itself. So, you know, some things you, some things we do because they're intentional and they, and they go wrong. Some things happen um, because we don't know what to do next. Um, and some things don't heal right. And so we continue to be in pain, even though we don't know what it is. Um, so like even this meniscus, which, are, which is like current, um, I was running all winter, I was fine. I run on a trail um, and then it snowed. So I couldn't run on the trail cause there was six inches of snow on it. So I ran in the road, but unfortunately I run in shoes that shouldn't be run on the road. I run in barefoot shoes, you know, and I run on the trail because I run in barefoot shoes. So after two days, my knee was bothering me. And I'm like, hmm, that's not good. You know, I guess what I need is new shoes. <laughs> so I got a pair of, I got a pair of uh, uh, zero drop shoes that had, that were for road running. And I went and I ran and I was better, but it's really hard running on a road, you know, it's, it's a lot of impact that I wasn't used to. And then I suddenly realized I'm walking around and I'm in pain all the time in my knee. And, um, okay, it's only for running. Then 
it started bothering me when I was biking too. So at that point I said, oh, okay, something's going on. I'm gonna call my doctor. And I went in and she poked around and said, I think it's probably the, the meniscus got torn. So that's because I changed what I was doing. And at least I only did this for a month. <laughs> I, I didn't do this, you know, because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you shouldn't be running because you're in pain, <laughs> you know? But, you know, and, and even if you're in pain, and I think I say this in the book, even if you don't have pain after a while, if you have pain to begin with, you're in pain. And the pain is not being changed or gone or dissipated just because all your fluids start flowing. It's still there. You're still having problems. And so I was, you know, I no longer am willing to wait two, three, eight, ten 10 years. I was able to get back into, um, you know, some sort of treatment plan to, to take care of it. And, you know, and the prognosis is good. And I'm back to, I mean, I'm, I already can see that I'm better, um, you know, I'm more aligned and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, you know, so now I'm doing stretching and exercises specifically and, and foam rolling twice a day, something I wasn't doing before and should have been doing more of. Um, so. So the message being that injury is inevitable. Yeah. I think you wrote in the book, we yeah. might step barefoot on a Lego and suddenly, you know, like, there or may be that's up and we don't see it. Right. Right. Or your cat. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get out, I get out of bed at night before I do anything. When I get out of bed at night to go to the bathroom, I stop to see if there's a moving dark spot on the floor <laughs> because I also excuse myself from my pillow now and then. Um, but usually it's my cat who has decided he's going to accompany me to the bathroom and I haven't turned on the light. So I have to be very careful because I can kill myself on that cat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm sure people are nodding their heads. They're like, <laughs> um, so injury is inevitable. So the, the message is not don't get injured. The, the message is not, um, you know, live in your little bubble and, you know, don't, don't get out there and get moving. The message is if you feel pain, it's a warning sign. It's telling, it's your body speaking to you saying something is not properly aligned or working correctly and go get it, take, take care of it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, pe people talk about injury prevention all the time. You, you know, you can't possibly prevent injury. Uh, I think like 60 or more percent of injuries happen in the home. So you don't even have to go outside and you, you know, I've talked to any number of people. A, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, this woman had a, a cast on. I, I said, what were you doing, skiing? She said, no, I fell down the stairs in my apartment. So, you know, it's, it's you're gonna get injured. And actually, if you sit on the couch for the rest of your life, you're already injuring yourself because all of your muscles are atrophying and they don't, you know, and, and um, whether you have a chronic condition, I have arthritis in, in a bunch of my joints. 
um, or whether, or, or even if you've been, and so, so there isn't anything I can do about it's there. Um, the only thing that you can do is just move them, move yourself. Um, moving is really the only way that managing pain is possible. So even if you've fallen, and if you've fallen, you need to learn how to get up. <laughs> you know, we're laughing about that, but that is so true. Talk about why that's so important. So, yeah, you know, so, so you're going to, people get older. Um, actually, people don't even have to get older. <laughs> if you're not in shape and you can't get up from a seated position, one of the first tests I had, I had to work with a 25-year-old trainer and, and, and do what I do. And, and what I do a lot of is getting out of a chair, balance. So getting out of a chair is like a squat. Um, and she could not get out of the chair without holding on and pushing herself up. Um, if you can't, no matter what shape, what good shape you're in, if you can't get up off the floor without scrambling around to find something to hold on to, you're not in great shape. You're not in great shape. Um, you know, so if you want to find your cat's toys, <laughs> I mean, people, people say, you know, if you want to play with your grandkids, you know, I don't have grandkids, but I have a cat and let me tell you, his toys are all over the place. So I'm down on the floor on my knees and wandering around trying to get stuff. So if you want to play with your, you want to play with your kids, kids, or you want to play with your cat or your dog or whatever, you're going to have to go up and down. Or even if you drop something on the floor because you know it it fell off the table, um, so 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 getting down and getting up is really important. One of the best things I did was to attend a how to fall workshop with mm -hmm. a cyclist that I know. We spent the afternoon falling in all different ways, um, and you know the big thing about falling is fear. Mm -hmm. So so even just without falling, getting up is, is a real necessary skill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to imagine you do have, there's like, you kind of have to get over the hurdle in your head of like, all right, it's okay. I can fall because I'm prepared and I know what, know what I have to do to catch myself. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Last summer I had an accident on my bike. I, I was going too fast and I hit a bad patch of, uh, road, as it turns out, I wasn't the only one that had that accident in that spot. Um, and, um, and as I fell, I just, you know, my, my hands got tangled up in my, in my bike, but I was relaxed. And, and that's really the key, you know, because if I hadn't pu pushed my hand out when I fell on that um, cement those years ago, I would have not broken my arm if I had been, if I had been in control of my body better. And that's what balance is all about and falling. It's about controlling and feeling in charge of yourself. Um, and so, yeah, so, so getting over the fear of falling is, is important. And just being able to get up takes care of that a lot. I'm a proponent of learning to fall, but not everybody is willing to go that far. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, learning to get up, there's all kinds of ways you can do that. And, and so that if you do fall, you're not in, you're not a victim of that ad that is perpetually on TV. 
you know. Um, and so you can, you know, you you don't feel when you're down on the ground that you are, you have lost all your uh, facilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember reading once that there was a much higher death rate for people that have stopped getting down on the ground and getting yeah. back up. Yeah. That it basically life stops yeah. when you don't when you don't have that ability to just go down and up. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody's listening and they're like, wow, I don't think I've been down on the floor in a really long time. <laughs> Do you have a recommendation for them? How would you suggest they start? Uh, that's a good question. I, I actually don't know how somebody would start with that. Um, uh, I guess, well, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, I've seen, um, you know, I, I know that there are YouTube videos and stuff for, mm-hmm. you know, for people that come down and how to get up using a chair or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's, if that's a problem, I guess the first thing, the first thing I would do is to I would Google it. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a computer person, you know. I would go, how do I get up? You know, <laughs> and you probably find all kinds of some of them stupid and some of them good and you know that kind of stuff. And then I might look, how do I find out how to get up? And you know, I mean, you know, I, I would start. I would start by asking questions. Be I would curious. Start, be curious. Yeah, I would start by being curious about this. You know, if this was something that I haven't the, that I haven't done anything about, and I have spent a lot of time not wanting to do it, or you know, or if I've fallen and I'm afraid, mm-hmm. if I've done something and I'm afraid, um, you know, uh, I would I would look into, you know, uh, what should I, you know, you know, what is it? First, you know, I would identify it. I would, I would, then I would go, you know, how do people deal with it? And, you know, kind of, and for me, I would ignore all the, you need an operation stuff, you know, but, um, you know, but, but, you know, I would start with the basic question. What is it? Mm-hmm. What is it that I can't do? And then, you know, how do people do that? And, and I would follow, I, for me, I would follow what I think is a logical progression of questions starting with, you know, what is it? Starting with what is it? Mm-hmm. Identify what it is that's, that is, you know, that I can't, that I can't do. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, from a whole different perspective, like right now I'm looking into um, a partnership, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so I just mm-hmm. started it this morning and I looked up what is a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, and then the next question might be, you know, what are different ways of doing it? You know, what are the, downfalls back you know what are the things that that could go wrong what are the things that are advantages you know how and then how will I you know how would I maybe how would this look how would this look I think how would this look is a very big um question to to answer for for people and for myself um so the the quite the thing of I'm not going to change is one mm-hmm. And you know the what's what are the advantages to not changing is one question. The other the other is to get to the point where how would it look if I did it this way or how would it look if I was able to do this? Uh, you know, so how would it look if I could get off the floor? What would that mean to me? You know, what would that mean to me is an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
you know, potential, so. you know, that being able to see a potential, being able to see another way, which I think is a lot of what your book is, allowing people to see the potential that maybe they didn't know existed. Um, I also need to do a little bit of a plug for your next project, because as I was thinking about how to help people get down and up off the floor, my thought was, boy, if they are struggling to do that, your next book, the one after this, could be a really good tool for them. Yeah. You want to share about that book? Right. Well, yeah, the pandemic happened and I couldn't go to the gym. And I regularly do a lot of workouts. <laughs> um, and I didn't have an awful lot of equipment at home, but I have some because I, I work with people in their homes. So I bring stuff to them and I work out periodically at home. Um, and so, and, and I test stuff out too, because, you know, um, gee, that's an interesting piece of equipment. I should get one of those, you know? Um, so, and also then I had, I do do some exercises from, that started out from PT uh, for my shoulders and for arthritis in my legs. I've been doing them for years, about 20 minutes, real, you know, basic stuff that I do before I get out of bed. And, um, and I've advanced them a little bit so that they were, you know, so the, the shoulder ones were pretty basic. The, the leg ones I've been doing for years. And so I've increased the, uh, I used to do body weight and then I added ankle weights and now I'm doing, I was doing very heavy duty ankle weight stuff. Um, and so I thought, hmm. And I tried exercising on the floor, you know, and my live in this tiny little 200 foot square foot apartment that that in order to have enough floor space, I have to move everything out of the way. And then I have to move it all back, you know, in order to have breakfast. And, um, you know, and that's not real conducive to, you know, creating kind of routine. So I looked up, I Googled <laughs> exercises on, my, uh, you know, in a prone position and lying on my back position. And I, and I discovered a couple of things that you could, that I could do with weights. So there's a dead bug mm -hmm. exercise, um, which you're moving your legs and your, and your feet that everybody, pretty much everybody's done probably in yoga or, you know, in an exercise class or whatever. And I, and, but it turns out that that's a really good core exercise. And, um, I was, a I was a, uh, did all this a lot of stuff in the water, which did, so I had a pretty good strong core and I was determined to keep it. And so, you know, I started to do with what I had, the exercises that, um, you know, using that dead bug, one was, one was a chest press and one was an ex, was a fly and all while you were doing a dead bug with, you know, with exercise. And I only had one 10 pound weight. <laughs> so I was, so I looked, so there's a, a type of exercise I know about called unilateral exercise, which every exercise, when you do work with a weight, one, one limb at a time works your core on the other side in order to stabilize yourself. And if you're working on the mattress, you're moving kind of like in the water, the, you know, there, there's, it's not like walking on the floor, mm -hmm. um, you have to stabilize yourself. So I started to be really um, interested in what was possible with, you know, with that. Um, and I, so, and I, and I, I just was working 
you know, didn't think about it. I just, I just started to, to do these exercises with weights. And then I thought, and then I had some bands because I did my shoulder ones use bands. So I, I looked and I, and I did, and I took those weight exercises, dead bug, and I made them into band exercises, dead bug. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, cause it was boring after a while. So I was looking for different stuff. And then because I, you know, and then I got stronger and I took me like months to get a heavier weight. And, um, you know, so I, I did that. But then I did, one day I did a bike ride and I, and I went for a bike ride and I went over this bridge that I had to carry my bike up and down a couple of stairs. And I've been doing these exercises and I had been biking, but I hadn't been carrying my bike, which is not a real heavy bike, but it's, you know, 20 pounds or so. I lifted the bike over my shoulder, which is what you do, which used to be a real chore. And it wasn't a chore. <laughs> it was, it was like, whoa, this is not bad, you know? And I walked up those stairs holding the bike and I was, and I was, I was flabbergasted. I mean, I had done enough exercise doing these exercises on my back or on my stomach or on my side or whatever it was to improve past what I thought was pretty good fitness from the three days that I did at the gym. Um, I was amazed, you know? So then I thought, oh, I wonder what else I could do. And I started looking on Amazon for books about exercising in bed. If there was, I don't know if there was anything there. What's the exercising in bed? I found two, you could do yoga. And there was somebody wrote a book called Exercising in Bed. Um, <laughs> both of them I hated, but and they, you know, um, I, I, the, the, the yoga bed, yoga one was dinky and the exercise in bed was all body weight stuff and written by people that really didn't know anything. It was very mild and kind of stuff, not, not anything near what I did. So I thought I should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a theme here. <laughs> I should write a book about this, right? <laughs> well, what I actually did was I started to video myself um, doing these exercises. And then I thought, and then I, on, uh, on Facebook, there was a woman that wrote a book about an ebook where she made little short videos of all the exercises she did. They weren't in bed. They had nothing to do with what I was doing, but she did a little ebook. And then she posted all her videos, real short, quick videos of the exercise, six, 10 seconds, um, that if you were reading the book, you could then go to YouTube and see the exercise in action. And I, uh, I emailed her and we, you know, she told me a little bit of what she did. And I was like, I could never find her stuff again. I don't know her name, <laughs> I don't know where she is, but it was enough, you know, it was enough to get me started. So I started videoing myself and um, I, have a, um, I have a GoPro. So I have a video camera that I can, I can position so that it's, it's pointed down at me on the bed. Um, you know, so I started videoing myself doing all these exercises and that's when I really started thinking I could really write this book. Um, and I just, you know, I, I started to write little, you know, I started a, a list of, of chapters. I went back to the first book that I wrote um, for that Facebook challenge. And I did what I did what I did for that because it was like, how fast can I do this? You know, <laughs> unfortunately, it wasn't that fast because it took me a long time to get my my act together with it. 
Um, but, but I had all these exercises and then I was thinking, I better write this book about bands because weights are very expensive. They take up a lot of room. And I think that people will be more interested in working with bands because you can put it away. I mean, I work in people's homes. They don't have a lot of space. I work in people's homes in a city in New York that you know nobody has like huge apartments where they can stick um, fitness equipment or gyms. So um, you know, so they want to. They don't want to live in a gym, and I don't want people to live in a gym. But but bands bands are easy to get. They're not that expensive. Um, you know, they're that you can get different different um, resistance levels. So you can work as hard as you want, and they're all, um, you know, and you can and you can do the unilateral kind of movements that I like to do with them, um, and you can ramp it up or ramp it down. Doesn't matter what you can do. And as a matter of fact, there were some things you can do with bands you can't do with weights. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, so I, I focused on that, and um, and then I, you know, and I I got this whole book together. I'm thinking exercise in bed. That's really boring sounding, you know. So, so I, you know, I cast around. I, you know, I, I googled mattress. I, mm-hmm. I googled bed. I googled, you know, all kinds of different ways that you can, you know, you can think about, um, you know, morning, you know, whatever, lying down. And I came across, I came across the play, upon a mattress, mm-hmm. about the princess and the pea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it, and it just resonated, it struck me, um, you know, all these mattresses in the, in the imagery showing up and the great graphics that they all had. And, and, uh, uh, and plus the thing about exercising in bed is like, for me, I don't have any trouble getting off the floor, but for anybody that didn't, that does, you're in bed, you have to get out. So it gave you access to floor exercises that you might not be doing. And I put a couple of my videos on the Weight Watcher app just to see what people would say, you know, because they're eight seconds. So it wasn't the Weight Watcher app is not that great, but, you know, they uh, eight seconds was not an, an, a reach for them. And I got all kinds of comments. Oh, this is great. I can't get off the floor, but I can get out of bed, you know. And, uh, yeah, and then some people thought, oh, those are pretty easy. I said, well, not really. Depends on what you do with them. But I got a lot of good p- feedback. So, so I, I, it kind of um, made itself, mm-hmm. and you know, and it gave me, it gave me a structure. Um, and then I thought, well, I had such a good experience working with you. I should, you know, and and plus I have access then to somebody that helps me with marketing. So I said, okay, you know, how about this? Um, and then I came up with, I also have this other book, which will be next with the weights because I thought, well, I still have them and I have all these videos. So, so a second book will be using free weights um, because maybe some people will want to do more than just bands and, the, and there's interesting playback if you do both. Um, certainly has been for me. And so I... I have the book done. On to the next. Kelly. On to the next. <laughs> One Kelly. Upon a Mattress will be available this summer. Not too long. <laughs> We're working on it right now. Uh, and it's, um, I, I love the concept. I love the simplicity of it. It goes to what we were just saying about, you know, if you can't get down and up off the floor, there are still things you can do. It's never too late. There's always something if you keep 
curious and keep diligent and find the priority that you're looking for. Um, just good messages for all of us. Um, so look for that this summer if you're if you're uh, interested in finding out how to exercise on your mattress. Uh, we could go on and on and on. There's so much more to cover, Jacqueline, but I want to uh, just wrap this up so that we can we can share a little bit more about how people can get in touch with you if they're interested. But before we do that, I want to share the end of your book, Living Pain-Free, because I think this is probably just a really good culmination of some of the topics that we touched on today. You wrote, the key to living pain-free is in its simplicity. It's easy to think I'll never be able to do that. Many of us give up bemoaning our pain and stiffness. But persevering can reward our struggles with victories. It's not where we start, it's where we finish. Eagles soar until the day they die. We can do the same. Well said. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it is true. It's absolutely true. Jacqueline, if people would like to find out more about you or would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I have a website. Um, my website is Audacious Living nyc.com or jacquelinegicko.com will point you right there if you can't remember the name uh i did that because i had friends that were like what how do you spell that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um yeah so my website gives you gives a little bit of background on, or gives some information about what i do and how i do it um, and, ha and, and how to contact me. Um, email works. I have a um, Gmail, uh, JacquelineGicko at gmail.com will get you there. Uh, and um, uh, I have a phone number, but it's on the website. And I can also put it in the show notes as yeah. well. And all of the books are available on Amazon. The new one coming out this summer and the one right after that as well will be there as well in the end. So if you're interested in purchasing any of Jacqueline's books, head to Amazon and, and go ahead and pick them up. Jacqueline, before we go, the one thing I like to ask all of our guests is about the, the title of the podcast. We call it, It Just Takes One, because I'm always fascinated by the concept of one, how simple one is, but how profound it can be. So I'll ask you, what does it just takes one mean to you? I, I think that it, it just takes one is, it's really about yourself. Um, it, 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 takes, it takes me thinking uh, I can. It's really, it's, it's really, that's all it is. I, I think I can you know, that little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I did, you know, and, and basically, you know, I, I don't know how to make it any clearer without getting into a big discussion about it. But um, it's, I guess the, the one thing I could say, I think I can opens it up from, I always. Mm -hmm. I always, I always have been stiff. I always am, you know, this always hurts. Uh, I, I have always been overweight. I have always, I have always, 
instead of I have always is I think I can. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's been such a pleasure and thank you for taking the time for us today. And listeners, you can check everything out in the show notes. And Jacqueline, I'll talk with you soon. As we come to the end of this episode, I have to tell you that I am smiling from ear to ear after listening to that interview. I had the opportunity to get to know Jacqueline over this past year, and even so, listening to her answers on that podcast episode inspired me all over again. And I know she said she doesn't like the mantle of being an inspiring person, but it is hard to hear her story and not feel inspired. She shared a lot of different interesting ideas for us. And I just wanted to reiterate a couple of those for you today. The first is to never give up. And I think she is epitomizing that in her life, never giving up all the injuries she sustained. She is still biking almost every day. She is still training. She is still doing all the things that she wants to do in her life and continues to keep going. She described her meniscus issue right now and how she's addressing that. She is not giving up. She's continuing taking it one step at a time, doing what she can do and continuing to move, which is the key. She actually describes that as the key, that movement is the only way to keep out of pain and sitting on the couch is not going to do it. Another idea that she talked about that I think is really important is that concept of staying curious. Again, Jacqueline lives that in her life in every possible way. She is creative. She's always coming up with a new idea, taking something in her imagination and creating, finding the way to create it so it becomes something tangible. Her curious mind keeps her young, keeps her moving. And I think that is a great lesson for all of us. Stay curious, keep finding things that interest you and then discover the ways to solve that so that you can make it happen and make it tangible. And then third, I think Jacqueline's life is a perfect example of it's never too late. Here she is writing books, not just one, but she's got two more coming out soon. And, you know, those are, those could be daunting projects for somebody but she's living the idea that it is never too late. If it's something you wanna do, if it's something that's important to you, you make time for it, she said, and she's right. So what is it that's important to you? What is it that you've always wanted to do? And for whatever reason, you haven't yet. I hope that Jacqueline's story has inspired you to pick it up, to go forward, to do it, because it is never too late. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of It Just Takes One. Please follow Jacqueline. I'll put all of her contact information in the show notes for you. And her new books coming out soon are excellent as well. So I hope that you'll follow her and keep up with all the things that she's doing. And most importantly, continue to live your own pain-free life. And so we come to an end of another episode of It Just Takes One. Now it's time to turn it back over to you. 
it's time for you to go out and be the one.